You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hello, hello, how is everybody doing out there? You've got a great radio voice. Hey, Kristen, how are you today? Did you ever do a radio show before? Like a uh, guest host or anything? Well, I've been on the radio as being interviewed tons of times. Yeah, but, I've, I've but never... did you ever do like a, a show host or anything? Not that I really can remember. Well, maybe that'll be your next life, I next might job. Have, I might have... Uh, did like a, a sleepwalk into a radio station and like recorded a segment or something. That's very likely that that happened. You never know. <laughs> but this week is a big week because first off, we have a very special guest, Daniel James McFadden on the podcast. And on Friday, myself, my, with my band, The Town Heroes, along with Daniel, and along with our former guest, George Woodhouse, are all playing a huge show together at the Marquee Ballroom in Halifax. So fun. This is going to feel like family reunion, I think. Yeah, there's going to be... Well, we just got the number off pre-sale tickets, and we're like, ooh, that's really good. Yeah, like, people are coming out of the woodworks yeah, now. We're hearing that uh, people are having a hard time getting bodies out to shows and it feels really good so far what i'm looking forward to about this too is because we work from home and we're entrepreneurs we don't get to have the traditional work party so this is gonna have to be treated as our holiday holiday party oh yeah there'll be tons of former guests there actually <laughs> yeah like, that's true former podcast yeah. guests. yeah so yeah well, that would be a little bit of a, a work party in its own way. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be any decorations or Christmas trees? I don't really have any planned, but we could bring our pumpkin up on stage. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, that's appropriate. Well, anybody listening, if you're coming to the show, bring your bring your best Christmas decorations, maybe. We'll make it a real party. And there's still tickets left to come to the show if you're in the... Halifax area or in Nova Scotia and you want to come to a really fun night Friday December 2nd and years into the future when these people are listening to this episode they're going to look at the history books and they're going to read about Friday December 2nd at the marquee and just know how good a time it was so if you're you're listening this is before this monumental event took place yeah, it's going to go down in history, and maybe we'll have Daniel on after the show, just to... Him and George together. Him and George together would be fun. Yeah, we'll do it. But uh, yeah, Daniel's a musician, originally from Ontario. We'll get into all this, but uh, great guy, great songwriter, and he's been, uh, yeah, really picking up steam the last little while. Just played at the Legendary Horseshoe in Toronto, and he's going to be, this is his last show for a while, and he's going to do a, a little break for recording, the same as ourselves. Yeah, so. and he's got some travels coming up, so that'll be a little break for him. But he's, uh, yeah, he's a really fun, humble guy, and we're happy that he chose to spend some time with us before the big night. Here we go. Daniel James McFadden. 
Is this an effort to build your own studio? Yeah, build or? my own studio, yeah. Nice. And just, just started kind of simple. But yeah, after this, I'm going to drywall all night. Yeah, because I'm renovating the barn. Okay, I, I was going to ask yeah. you about your barn. Yeah, I'm yeah. renovating to a studio and kind of living space. Has it always been functional for recording, or are you making no, it? The... I'm I'm trying to make it yeah. functional for recording. It, it was uh, it was used as a cabinet making business before. Mm-hmm. Is it something you rent? No, no, I I bought it about a year and a half or so ago, wow. and it was just a, it was it came with a property. It's awesome. It's all it was kind of the selling feature. I was uh, I spent some time researching online looking for a barn yeah. in the valley, yeah. which is where you're from, and your yeah. barn is, but. I had this moment last time we were down at my dad's who lives in the valley and we were standing in his barn and I was like, wait a minute, I already have one of these. Yeah, exactly. You were gonna it's do, on our property. And then you were going to do, were you still thinking about doing that art, the, the art show there? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Just, just, it needs to be cleaned out yeah, and that'd be yeah, so cool. modernized like you're doing now. Yeah. But is yours heated? I just got heat pumps in it. Yeah. But they're not. They, I might have like they, they might be too small for the building, which is bad. <laughs> it's a bad time to figure that out. But yeah, oh, I have, I have some baseboard heaters too. Yeah. But have you done performance and stuff in there already? No, none of that. Yeah. No, I've I've just been the last like four or five months. I've been just renovating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting to watch it all come to life. It is. Is there a name for it? The barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clever, yeah, you I'm clever creative. artist, you. Yeah, we're quite original. Nailed over here. it. <laughs> so what's going on, man? You just got back from a little stint to Ontario. Mm-hmm. Shows at the the famous Horseshoe Tavern, in Toronto, in Ottawa. Coming back to play at the Marquee Club. What's what's December second? <laughs> December second. Yeah. Uh, not too much. Um, that was really fun. It was a it was pretty intensive. It was like three, it was only three or four days. A lot of the members of the band work full time so you have to kind of find quick weekend getaways and get them to take a couple of days off work and it was just there's a lot of driving we hit every snowstorm that possible and it took us like 22 hours to get to Toronto which is a long that, that was a long haul through the night that's and, one of the worst things about trying to tour in Canada between pretty much October to April you can run into the most hazardous weather imaginable cancel shows. Yeah. Even though we were recording a couple of years back, we went to Cape Breton, like, oh, we got this week straight booked in the studio and a snowstorm hit while we were there and we lost uh, two and a half days, like just of yeah. being in the studio. That's just crazy. And it was so nice here in Nova Scotia before we left. And then even my dad, I was talking to him last week and I was like, and he's like, um, do you have snow tires on? I was like, not yet. I'm going to put them, put them on next week for the trip. He's like, oh, you won't need them. Uh, and, I was, and I was like, really? I, don't, yeah. I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But I was like, to be safe, I put them on. And within six hours when we hit New Brunswick, it was just absolutely terrible. And it felt like winter just started because it was so nice before that in Nova Scotia. I remember a few years back, my first time going out west to, to tour. And it was the start of November. And was still fairly warm here in Nova Scotia. So when I when I went out to Alberta and BC for the first time, I didn't have a winter jacket, just like t shirt and a little flannel shirt and and a baseball hat. And yeah, winter hits there pretty darn quick. Like yeah, they get we're it. in band from like, holy shit, I should have brought more than a friggin' long sleeve t shirt. You've always yeah. called your little 
plaid button-ups your jacket, though, in fairness. <laughs> I gotta get my jacket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was it's not like, prepared. so thin. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got big parkas on. I'll just parkas, have like, yeah, parkas on, uh, I love it. I have a freaking just uh, an old plaid shirt with like whole rips in it. To like, like oh, She's warm out, boys. Yeah. <laughs> You often hear actually musicians talk about creating in seasons. So maybe an album will come out in the spring mm-hmm. and then you're on the festival circuit or playing shows in the summer and then recording or mm-hmm. writing new material in the winter. Is that because of where we live or is that just a common I, seasonal thing no matter what? I'm going to guess yes. I would say yeah. yes. I would say nobody wants to tour and drive in the winter and unloading gear and loading it back up is a nightmare. Because it's interesting to think... The climate yeah. or the geography and where you live impacts your creativity in that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't know if anyone ever did like a in-depth study, like a <laughs> thesis on it or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it is. It but if ca- you live in LA, maybe that that doesn't even cross your mind no. about having seasons. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, um, I think it, it definitely does. Like I've always seen the winter as a time to create and a time to kind of burrow in and let your ideas come to life like the the summer you're you're yeah you're out there kind of showcasing that to people and in the winter you have to come up with the ideas that you're going to be able to showcase to people maybe we got to flip it now maybe that's the key to success is just <laughs> nobody else no one's touring in the winter so there you go. <laughs> we got, we'll get the whole everybody's going to come out to our shows all your shows will have December to be at 2nd. 11 a.m <laughs> so that people are warm enough yeah it's uh it's something <laughs> Um, I, th- I think it ma- makes sense. And I guess the geography of where you live kind of dictates a lot of things. Like in, your, in South America, the seasons are flipped. So Australia, summer's coming on now. And here, it's obviously the opposite. So, yeah, I, th- I think just what's happening in your surroundings is going to dictate just your life in general and how you, you plan things. And as musicians, we just... The the cycle that existed like 20 years ago, it was always, okay, we're going to go into the studio, record, put it out and tour for like two years. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist at all anymore. Like now, now you have, you, we at least have the, the internet and social media and ways to reach people. So you have to be on in some capacity, whether you're touring or posting things online, I feel like you have to be on all the time, mm-hmm. which is which is good in some ways, but also can be pretty draining. Like, okay, I gotta figure out a way to just reach people, and but I also want to just be recording. But then you're like, okay, now we got to take out a, the phone and record this process of us being in the studio rather than yep. just be in the moment. So true. So the moment has disappeared a little bit, I think. You always feel guilty not having the camera out to like get content. You're like, oh, this, this, I want content. For that this would thing. look so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought a lot about that aspect of painting too, because a lot of artists are sharing clips of their process start to finish. But I can't imagine interrupting that mm-hmm. flow or state of mind to set up my iPhone and get the right lighting and all those things but i guess it's a good marketing tool maybe i'm missing out on oh i think you've figured it out i feel like that's the way to do it and just be in the moment and 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 do it but yeah it it feels like everybody is recording their process now and and putting it out there because people i guess people just want to like people who don't know or don't do it are so curious about how things get created and stuff that you see it so much more 
Oh, it's it's and it's cool to see like people want that inside access mm-hmm. and like how was this song formulated from start to scratch? What does this supermodel eat for breakfast? You know, like <laughs> those two mainly. What flavor of water. <laughs> um, those two. <laughs> the two Both. things that keep me up at night. Very important things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, social media is certainly forces you as a creative person to be on mm-hmm. all the time. Had you, back to your tour that you were yeah. on, had you played at the Horseshoe before? No, that was the first time. And we have, it, was, it was something I wanted to do for a long time. I remember just like writing grants and stuff a couple of years ago and that being kind of the the goal is to play that room. And just, if that felt, that was, that was like growing up when I was like, oh, when, when people play the Horseshoe, that's it. That's when, that's a... And how do you get a new venue like that? You bug them. You keep emailing them and bug them and bug them. I think my emails with the booker have gone back two years now, at least trying to make that show happen. So, and then it's like, they want you to play on a Monday to, to get started. And, and I was like, well, everyone works. I can't get there on a Monday. So maybe, maybe we'll do a Thursday. And he's like, okay, that'll work. And then, then the next time you, like you build, it's the same kind of thing with, in Halifax too, with Marquee and Seahorse. There's like, the building blocks and you have to put in your time and energy to, to kind pay of your dues. You pay your dues. That's, yeah. yeah. That's always seems like it's going to be part of the process. And, and f- a lot of times it makes sense. Like you can't just pick up a guitar and like expect to play at the horseshoe. Like you do have to, you know, earn some mm-hmm. fans. You need a fan base. Mm-hmm. Like the people don't want to just take a chance on someone without anyone who's going to support them. Yep. So, like I, there's situations where I feel like maybe I've been paying my dues long enough and deserve it quicker, <laughs> but uh, I feel like it, for the most part, it does make sense. Like, yeah, and it's rewarding when you're finally there because then you can reflect on, you know, what I I did earn this, yeah. or it yeah. is worth fighting for, and yeah. now you're on that stage with it's, the checkerboard floor it's true yeah we had that mike and i had that conversation last time about you have to put your dues into playing at a pizza joint where no one's listening and yelling <laughs> yeah. and you were talking about that staircase show or something oh like, yeah the, the worst show i ever played on a stairwell in uh spryfield it's a good it was a christmas tree lighting uh re women's rights ceremony and remembrance of the montreal massacre oh and no. the final two I just mentioned we didn't know about. We just <laughs> didn't tell you about it. Thought it was a Christmas tree lighting, <laughs> and uh, we probably shouldn't have opened the show with uh, "Sex Machine" by James <laughs> Brown. But that's just how it goes sometimes. That's life. It's life. It's those are humbling experiences, though. Yeah, that's the, those are the dues to be paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's that's what we mean by paying dues. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of aspects to that story, but you didn't have a plug in it. Where is this? It was fully. Wasn't it fully acoustic? Or was that? No, show? this was. This was another band, a five piece band. Oh, okay. So we were all we were all on different steps at varying heights. <laughs> Daniel's talking about a more recent show that was also on a set of I stairs th- th- that was unplugged. <laughs> where, where was I on a set? <laughs> How many shows have you played on a set of stairs? Uh, let me get out my journal and count. <laughs> But, uh, Maybe you're onto something. The stairwell. Oh, try. Where did I play in a stairwell recently? I think you were. It was you were there too. Yeah, at the market. Oh, yeah. That was. Uh, that was. Well, this was actually like a really good paying gig. It was just um, a cor- a corporate gig, 
and for some reason we weren't allowed amplification <laughs> in the venue. So there's like 700 people in this high ceiling room, super reflective. They're partying and drinking and chatting. And I'm like, there's not one chance I'll hear a freaking note I make. You could have read your grocery list. Yeah. It could have mattered. said anything. I think you, didn't you tell me? You, you're, oh, I made <laughs> up a song on the spot. Yeah. Just, just singing about people in the audience, how stupid they looked and stuff. And I would like to think that for a second they caught on and just for a second they're like, did they, did <laughs> did you just say about my red jacket? Yeah. And then, then you just quickly switch in. They're like, I'm bald guy with the red jacket. <laughs> It's like, why are you like nothing? You're like, today is going to be the day. <laughs> and I, I remember before I went up, there was another act, and I, I won't say who they are, not that it really matters not, but she's she's quite young and had never <laughs> played a shitty gig like that before. <laughs> so she got off the stage and or off the stairwell <laughs> yeah. and uh, came to the green room. It's like, that was the worst gig I've ever played. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's it's okay. Like, they're paying as well. Like these these things happen. Mike like, was so chill about it. Like, oh like yeah, like he had done this a million times. <laughs> She's so upset. I hope you would be. Then I remember some people get to skip that whole that whole part. I feel like some people get lucky and they. Mm. I, I think there's something special about doing that and really appreciating the nice shows. But I feel like I see some people who just go right to the Carlton. You know, they skip. They like they go from their bedroom to the Carlton. I'm like, okay. And I don't that, know how you did that. But those people, once things start going, well, not the way they expect, that's when they, they give up. Yep. Like, you got to build those calluses, you know? <laughs> that's like, true. Yeah. Not only the calluses on your fingers from playing guitar, you need them. On your soul. On your soul, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Callus like, of the soul. It reminds me, I think I was telling you this last night, too, when I was, uh, I was playing a gig. It was just during a snowstorm, and one guy showed up, and he was like a local at, at a bar that, was there quite often and I was like okay at least I could play to one person so I, I started the set and I was playing and he was kind of making eye contact and I thought he was he was interested so I was like okay I can keep playing I'm not just playing to the bartenders and then he made eye contact with me and reached into his bag and grabbed a pair of big headphones and then <laughs> while making eye contact with me put the headphones on uh, and then I kept playing the song and and then I was pretty much he was the only guy there. I hope you maintain the eye contact I too. I was, just yeah, intense. Yeah, I got louder to yeah. I was curious what he was listening to too. But they uh, they are hard on your your soul. <laughs> like you need to <laughs> t- toughen up every part of you. I I did a gig once in London, Ontario. <laughs> Sounds about right. On a Wednesday night. On a staircase. <laughs> no, I was on a stage. <clears throat> and. Uh, so the opening band was supposed to start at eight and like sound checks at like whatever, five thirty. And they showed up at nine thirty <laughs> and uh they're like these guys stuck in the eighties and they kinda looked like tough and a little rugged and we were like a little a little scared to say anything them, but the the lead singer was just standing uh in front of the stage and he had his hand on his girlfriend's ass the whole time. It was just kinda like <laughs> this 48-year-old man just kind of, I don't know, stuck like he's in a, the, the the time when he was 16. But anyway, I walk up like, hey, fellas, what's going on? Uh, you, you think you're going to get up on stage anytime <laughs> soon there? And I go, yeah, sure, bud, we'll get up there. So uh, they go up and they, they're they definitely the, the worst band I've ever heard live. <laughs> and uh, after they finish the song, they all look at each other and like, 
fucking good boys and like they'd Nailed fist it. pound after every song it was like they're <laughs> they're impressed with themselves <laughs> anyways they they finished their set and it was quite funny but uh we get up and there's three people came out to see us and it was a five dollar cover so we made fifteen dollars the openers didn't even stay to see our set we were gonna give them like ten percent or something so uh what would it give them a dollar fifty so uh but they didn't even stay like fuck them and their dollar fifty we're keeping it and uh when we uh left we had a forty two dollar parking ticket on our van so uh none of us are good at math here but if you subtract forty two or fifteen from forty two we're in the negative. So. <laughs> Divided by all your band members. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was just me and Bruce, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, there, that's a killing then. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, we did well that night. <laughs> hey, Kristen, do you know what's awesome? What, Mike? Real food bars. Mm, they're so delicious. They are delicious. I take them on my runs with me because they're such clean fuel. Like you're out on the track and you open up a bar while you're running? Yeah, just tear it open right there on the spot. That's versatile. They source all local ingredients. All local? So they call themselves Made with Local because they support so many local farmers and food makers. Where are those farmers based out of that they support? Nova Scotia. Holy smokes, this is <laughs> getting even better and better. Where can you buy their products? So they still manufacture in Nova Scotia, but you can find their product all across Canada now. This is unreal. And they started out as just a small table at a farmer's market and have now achieved B Corp certification. That sounds pretty fancy. Yeah, they have tons of delicious flavors. I'm partial to anything with peanut butter and chocolate, as you know, but they also have lemon and blueberry, uh, gingerbread for the holidays. Oh man, they are pretty darn delicious and healthy. Like when I eat like seven in a row, if I ate seven Mars bars, you know, I'd feel like I was gonna die, but I eat seven of those and I feel like I can take over the world. Yeah, you could lift a car after that. Yeah, you get this like power in your bones. Made with local. And where can we find these bars and all the great products they create? So I usually pick up my real food bars just at our local grocery store, but they're also found in lots of health food stores, gas stations, and little markets across the country. They are doing awesome, and they taste awesome, nutritious, and delicious real food bars. Real food bars. Made with local. Made with local. It's good to have these contrast stories, though, because you both have had, and Daniel, you recently, like, you, this is something you've been at for a couple of years to yeah. get on the stage at the Horseshoe. Like, that's a highlight moment. And it's a big stage. We yeah. were, we were the three of us were at Music Week just a few weeks ago in Sydney, and um, I noticed uh, George Woodhouse's band in particular, who is going to be playing with yep. you guys on December 2nd at the Marquee. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, they had kind of this group huddle before their set. And I know they were all a little bit nervous. This was a really exciting show for them. And they absolutely crushed it. Is that something that you make a point to kind of recognize? Like, this has taken me time to get here. This is a real moment that I want to be present in and oh, cherish. Yeah. Like, what's that? How does that feel different for you than maybe? at the barn well it's crazy because you think about all the work and all the driving and everything that comes into playing for one hour and it's like like you get to that moment right before you play and you get like i got everybody together and just said like the only thing we're gonna do now is just have as much fun as we possibly can where no one's gonna get any better at their instrument between now and the show or like yeah if you're, you're people are gonna make mistakes and it's okay but 
you just have to try to be as in the moment as you possibly can because it's a a ton of work for the shortest amount of time possible. You do all these practicing, but you only only play those songs once. It's like turkey dinner. So you really, yeah, exactly. So you really have to be in the moment and and make sure kind of everybody's on the same same page. We usually do like a shot of whiskey before we play. And I've been reading excerpts from The Hobbit before we start. I don't know. It's just the book that I had on me. But that's usually, that's our kind of- On stage or like backstage? That we were thinking about on stage, but backstage, this is right before- (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, but it, that huddle and that, that moment is really important just to get everybody on the same page and appreciate where, where you are and all the work that everybody's done in their own journey to get to a point like that. Um, so Do you feel it, like uh, the responsibility of a leader in your band? For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially it's, like, I, this all started with me recording and with me and one other person or me and two other people with, with these projects and then now it's finally these songs are finally get to be realized to their full potential with a full band a group of people who have come together to to play these songs um so i definitely feel that responsibility and i think and i need to work on it and and try to get better and i think now versus a couple years ago i don't think i could have had the same band or the same energy coming into it because i just didn't know how to lead quite as well i don't think um but now it feels really good i feel like you've gotten a good grip on it and it's a lot of time you spend together, especially on the road in the car and you're like, no, everybody's sleep deprived and it's a, you have to keep a good energy and make sure everybody's happy. And, uh, and yeah, that's just important and kind of keeping that leadership. I think it would be different if it was a kind of a band where everybody was writing the songs together and working on the songs together. I think it's, it's probably hard. Like, I don't know that it's different. You've done kind of both, um, like being in a band, and then also playing your own kind of solo stuff. Yeah. Well, how do you find it compares with, and you, you've also taken, a, Mike, you've also taken a leadership position in, in the Town Heroes. Yeah. Um, how does that, how do you, how does that change versus stuff you're doing your solo? And I think, yeah, you, when there's other people involved, obviously the, the dynamic just changes automatically yeah. because it's, it's just different. Like then one person just, giving their energy to the the crowd or yeah. the, the the post you make like it it just instantly becomes different because it has to but i've i've kind of always had the the vision in the projects of of where i wanted to go and like like bringing other people in who can add add their own kind of idea and opinions and we can bounce things around. Like the collaborative nature of things is really nice when you have people and different ideas and energies just, uh, I guess, bouncing off each other. Yep. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, you just want to, if it's a show, I guess I'll reference being on stage in front of people. At the end of the day, you just want the audience to have the best, time possible Mm -hmm. and sometimes if i'm playing a solo show that might be a little bit different because i i don't have to give other people a chance to shine in some way like i might talk to the audience for much longer than i would at a a band show yep like you just have to take in the the consideration of like who's there with you like i don't want to yes i'm the front man in the town heroes Mm -hmm. but i don't want all the attention to be on me. Like you have to let other people shine at different parts. Like playing with Tori Cameron, who plays bass with us, uh, when 
she some people some of our good friends like they say like the only person I can watch on stage is Tori just because her stage presence <laughs> yeah. is amazing and she's swinging her hair around <laughs> and she's an awesome bass player and singer and I'm like that's awesome yeah, like, <laughs> I'm I'm glad for that like like she doesn't say anything in the mic like she she sings and she's not telling stories like nope. I am but like yeah I've in playing sports, like if I was putting a basketball team on the court, I want the best players around me. Yeah. I don't want four guys who are shitty who make me look good. Is it just me drawing an assumption to think, though, that the singer is the leader? Like, is that the typical composition of a band? For the most part, probably. And and I appreciate what you're both saying. Like, you want to highlight your band members, and it takes a group to be anything, really. Like, it takes your team. I I recognize that, but I also don't want to draw conclusions that are untrue. There would be hundreds of different types of dynamics within a band. And, like, um, geez, like, sometimes the... Sometimes, like, there could be a person who never says a boo on stage, stands as quiet as a mouse... But they're the brains behind yeah. the whole thing, you know, like right. they just don't have that personality to to be in front of a crowd and entertain. Like it's you, it's a band by band basis, mm-hmm. I would say. But for the most part, like especially a band, y- your band is you, like yeah. your, your name. So yeah. you're obviously writing the songs mm-hmm. and it, it's your band and you have people who are playing with you. So in that case, it's. It's obviously going to be Daniel, who's the the focal point of, of everything behind it all. But and then you get people like Leith, who at the Shore Club when he <laughs> plays with Matt Mays every year, the place goes insane, yeah. shouting his name yeah. <laughs> on the and keys. And he and and obviously Matt is the the focal point of that band, but Leith yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it, like it's Matt, hard not to watch him. Yeah. Like Matt doesn't want. A shitty keyboard player, so he can stand out. He wants to have the best guy in the country. Yeah, and he does. So <laughs> and he does. And when for sure. when it's time for him to shine, like mm-hmm. he shines. And some in Matt's band, for example, I would say Serge, the bass player, like he's kind of just in the back. And if you don't really know music, you probably don't even notice what he's doing. But he is just so solid. He's holding it down. He's laying the foundation for everything. Like he's not flashy because you got Matt, Adam, Leith, like Ryan, they're a little bit more flashy than him, but he's doing what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. We noticed that with uh, Sarah and Willie Stratton's band too, who I believe is his partner. Yeah, yeah. She on stage is like, she's that's great. who I was looking at. Yeah. I mean, she's beautiful, but she's got a presence too. There's something th- to be said about your team that way as well. Yeah, pre- stage presence is, for me, like I can't, it's maybe like a folk artist who's kind of just playing their song is is fine, but I, when it's when there's a little more energy in the music, if the the stage presence isn't, you know, amped up a little bit, I I find the performance boring. I, I feel the same. Yeah, so how so, did you find your band, Daniel? How did you piece oh, yourselves together? All kind of in different ways. A lot of them for, in Wolfville. And so I think how would this have started? This would have started with uh, Scott Marsters, who plays electric guitar. Um, a lot of the time with me, he, uh, he, we played an open mic together at, at Patty's in, in Wolfville and I was writing some songs for the new album and I don't have, he has a lot better guitar chops than I do. Um, I'm not a, I don't call myself a guitarist. So I was, I had these songs and I wanted these kind of different ideas with it. So I was bouncing 
ideas off him. And then some of the songs kind of came from that on the record. And then um, my ba- my bassist, Matt Elliott, he was in Halifax, said to me years ago, he said, if you ever need a bassist, let me know. And I was like, oh, I could use a bassist now. And let him know. And we've been playing pretty much every show together since. And my roommate is Ted the drummer right now. Um, and I also play with a guy named Taylor who lives out in BC. And then uh, just Christiane Tay, who plays keys, who's added so much just the last weekend. And she's playing at the marquee with us too. Um, she's she plays keys and sings and sarah surratt who also sings i've uh similar to kind of like tori cameron's thing like she stands up there you like like uh kind of more similar to your acoustic show yeah. where she stands there and does the harmonies which i yeah. love and she has awesome stage presence sarah um so she, we were friends in university and that's kind of where it came from and now we're all kind of friends did you go to university in the yeah, valley i went to acadia, acadia. yeah yeah so a lot of us met and, there and you grew up in ontario in ontario what's uh What's the name of the town again? Caledon. Caledon. That's where the Mars Bar factory <laughs> is, right? Yeah, we don't know that. <laughs> For anybody listening. Yeah, if you look Bolton, Ontario specifically, Bolton. that's where I grew up. And if you look on any Mars Bar, that's where, you, where you'll see it. Besides that, it's easy to just pass by and not even know the name of the town. So, and you, this surprised me, you growing up didn't go there like... <laughs> every day or two to the mars bar factory (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'd like i don't know if they actually sell mars bars or anything there but i (laughs) i didn't know anybody who worked at the factory i only found out when i was like 16 and looking just for some reason really studying the pack as one does ontario we're so disappointed you can't tell us more mars bar stories (laughs) (laughs) breaking in in high school or something yeah i know i wish it was something cool i think it says something about it though like i found so much more community out on the east coast and I don't think you'd, if there was a Mars bar factory, you'd be able to not know about it. But mm. I think that there, everything's so in the GTA. I love the GTA. I love Toronto. Um, but it's easy to not really have that sense of a community or know about things like that. Or everything's so, there's so much industry and industrial areas and, and yeah. stuff that, I don't know, it doesn't feel as like, out here, like everybody, I know about the, the Michelin plant in the valley. Like <laughs> every everybody I know, has, like their like brother works there and they're like, get me better deals on tires and stuff like it feels like <laughs> even feels like community um, people like to give deals around here yeah they it's, do yeah I just that's got important to nova scotians yeah <laughs> so true. what was uh life like in bolton as a, a young daniel james McFadden? Oh, it was a lot of uh there wasn't too much to do we just spent a lot of time on the streets i guess like, i did a lot of skateboarding and so did a lot of my friends so we just literally hang out like I know every corner of that town just because we'd walk around and skateboard and and hang around and a lot of drinking yeah <laughs> in high school so a lot of parties <laughs> and drinking um but besides that that's pretty much it did a lot of sports and stuff in high school and and when did music come into your life was so your family musical or creative my stepbrother Daniel he also Daniel also my age um he uh he played a guitar and I he knew how to play smoke on the water Oh yeah, and he could play it with like the two middle strings, and I only had seen it with people play it on the E and go like boom, boom, boom. But if you use the if you use the the D and the G string and do and He's do doing... it, it sounds way cooler. And I was like, oh, this guy is an absolute pro. Yeah. And so I was like, probably a bit jealous. And I was like, I got to learn this now too. So I learned that, and then I learned like a couple more songs, like and and at that time, my stepdad Steve was kind of getting me into his old records, like Blue Oyster Cult and Led Zeppelin Four and all and. I was getting into classic rock too. Yeah. And then uh, they ran this Battle of the Bands at my middle school that 
we all got to play in and practice for. And I was trying to find the teacher who ran that recently because I wanted to thank him because <laughs> it was so cool. It was just like Battle of the Bands and all of us got to practice and felt like we had, had an audience to play in front of. And I think I re- recently realized that that's probably the point where I was like, okay, like this performance thing is possible. And the first time really playing to people. What songs did you play on stage? <laughs> okay, I played, I, I've, Stairway to Heaven was one of them. Jeez. And it got cut off. The two times we played it, there, you did two shows. One of them, it got cut off early because the school was over. The bell went so that I didn't get to play my solo that I was so excited for at the end. And then the second time, I stepped on my cable and unplugged it. And since that day, I'm so careful not to step on my cable because I unplugged my electric guitar in the middle of that solo. Or play that song again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just, but just naturally, I feel like Stairway to Heaven doesn't come up as a cover once you get older. <laughs> like, it'd be weird. It'd be a weird addition to the set. We played some Wolf Mother, like I really like okay. Wolf Mother, yeah. some harder rock stuff. We played uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Um, there was a few others. Yeah, we played Closing Time at the end. We thought that yeah. was really clever. Yeah. Yeah, the last song where we're going to play Closing so Time. So did you win the Battle of Bands? You know, it, they call it a Battle of Bands, but it was actually just a fundraiser. So yeah. I would have been more fun if there was more competition in it, I think, than somebody won. But I think we self-crowned ourselves. Yeah, yeah. you... The, Bolton Mars Bar Champs. <laughs> That's what sponsored by Mars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, after that battle of bands or performance, at least, uh, did you just the kind of, that kind of light a little fire under you? Or a little bit. I was still. I, I played a lot of volleyball. I really liked volleyball. Yeah. I I wanted to. I thought I was going to play sports in university and stuff, and I was like kind of obsessed with that. Um. But then what position? I played uh, right side. Yeah. yeah. I played a lot of right side. And do you play volleyball? You're, yeah, you gotta go. You gotta. You got some. Oh yeah, yeah. I got a few. My old trophies. My parents oh, were moving, so yeah. I had to take. Uh, I got another one over there. We got to get some pepper going. So I just put point. put them in. Uh, use try to make them functional now, so that holds my pens. We should do. We should do a uh, musician volleyball volleyball team. I'm sure there'll be a few who play. Yeah. <laughs> Us two for sure. Yeah. We're the Nova Scotia Provincial Champs uh, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could so, be a doubles team. I think so too. Clean, yeah. clean house. <laughs> um, but yeah, I played some sports. And then when I came out to school, I, I uh, went up to the library pub in Wolfville and asked if they needed somebody to play weekly. And they said, yeah, that'd be great. And then that's where it kind of started. What did, you, what did you study at Acadia? Business. Yeah. Okay. I had no, no intentions at that point of, or I probably just didn't think it was a possibility to become a full-time musician. And were you writing songs at that point? A little bit here and there, yeah. but not consistently. Just like here and there, I'd come up with some chords and be like, oh, I like this. I probably yeah. had like less than 10. You weren't, were you performing any at the open mic? Um, yeah. There. Then we started a little cover band called The New Digs that we played at school for for two or three years that we had a lot of fun doing and that those performances started feeling like real performances which is yeah. really fun um but yeah open mic here and there at patty's and every thursday at the library pub and that's when i started putting original songs into the set and and being like oh these are i could record these maybe and see where it goes and then you put out the wolf film song yeah <laughs> the song with viral the video <laughs> i went up went up to uh just went up to nick samora worked at the town of wolfville at the time and just said if you guys gave me a couple of bucks, I could record the song I have about Wolfville. And he said, well, we'll see. Like, let me know. And then I sent him, he's like, okay, we'll do it or whatever. So we, could, we worked out a deal with the town. And I had to change some of the lyrics up too because yeah. some of them weren't as super inviting. There's, yeah. There's like a line that said, we don't have much work or something. And it was the WBDC that was helping to fund it, which is the Wolfville Business Development Corporation. <laughs> so they were like, you can't really say that there's no work here because 
that it goes against it. So I changed it to like something happy, like there's lots of wine or something. <laughs> there's endless work in Wolfville. <laughs> and then I used the word damn. So I had to change that to, I think I, I said damn four way stop sign. I changed it to slow. Yeah. I made some change. I, I, I put down the creative pencil and I'd make <laughs> At my uh, high school graduation, um, I was playing guitar. I didn't sing then. I was playing guitar, and a girl, uh, Bertha, was singing. I can't remember who the artist was, but the first line of the song was, Lying Here With You. And our principal made us change it to sitting here with you. <laughs> like, oh, come really? on. I think really a bit of a scrubbed push. that. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a push. Lying here with you, listening to the rain. <laughs> well, Anyone remember what that is? It was famous in like 2001. You have a lot of memories from 2001. It's just a highlight of Mike's life. <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, I'm telling counter stories to what you, what you tell. There's like counter strikers and fighting who just, uh, you know, they see how their opponent moves and then they react to that. So that's, that's what the I'm dynamic. I'm a counter storytelling here. <laughs> no, it's a, great, it's a good story. Is Bertha, is Bertha still singing? I saw a post on Facebook two days ago. She was yeah singing. She had a great voice. She still, still has a great voice. Nice birthday if you're listening. Good job on that. Yeah, this one's you, for you. Yeah, this one's for the great singer. <laughs> Hit it, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. She. I don't think she writes anything. But yeah, big powerful voice. Nice. I read in your bio that you had traveled to Nova Scotia with your family when you were younger. I yeah. think it said fourteen. Yeah, that's right. Was that? Like, did you get a sense of how you felt in Nova Scotia at that young of an age? And that's what yes. drew you back? Oh, like instantly. It was, it was definitely, it's like when you, when you invite your friends to Nova Scotia now, you know how you do all like the, the best things in like the, a small period of time. Like, that's exactly what happened. I was like, this is what everyday life is like for sure. Like yeah. when I remember rolling up where the first place I went, we went to the Micmac Mall. I don't think I've been back since, but we went to the <laughs> Micmac Mall. I picked up a modest mouse CD. From nice. from HM what not HM what's what was the name HMV of the, HMV yeah yeah okay was it good news for people who no it was close it was before that it was okay. Moon in Antarctica yeah um I was a big Modest Mouse fan and I listened to that the whole drive and my mom hated it and I was like I loved I loved Modest Mouse so I always that drive I always think of the Modest Mouse CD yeah. and then um and then we went tubing down the river mm-hmm. Gaspro Wolf- Gaspro yeah we did the Gaspro tubing. We did hike Cape Split. Mm-hmm. Um, I played basketball with my sister's boyfriend at the time. That was really fun. And then I got snuck into the Anvil when I was 14 and like <laughs> saw all these pretty girls and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I got kicked out in like five minutes, but it was still the best five minutes ever. <laughs> and then because my sister's boyfriend worked at the Anvil and, uh, and boosted me over the back wooden fence. You know that Four. fence? Usually people are like... 18 or like 17 like the you know yeah, you might stand four, out a little bit too at many 14 year olds an old looking 14 year old <laughs> yeah. like, i thought i was right in there but no i they i think they figured it out pretty quick and i got kicked out um but it was just like a packed three or four days that i was like this is so magic and feels so different and it was my first time on the east coast so i literally only applied to acadia university i think i think maybe dal i think i applied to went and did a tour at dal and applied but I knew I was going to go to Acadia if I got in and I was so excited to get in and just had a great time out here. And I think at that point I kind of knew I wasn't going to go back to Ontario. And you've stayed in that area of the province yeah. too. Like a lot of folks are just eager to get yeah. to the city, but what? You I stuck did. Around. Last year I was all, I was in Halifax all last year. Um, but Living? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before I got the place in Port Williams, 
I was in Halifax and I liked it a lot, but uh, yeah, something just keeps drawing me back there. I think what makes it okay too is I'm on the road a lot and it feels like a good, I don't need to be, I thought I needed to be in the city to be in like the Halifax music scene. I was like, I need Mm -hmm. to be like hanging out with everybody every night and stuff. And then I realized I was like, okay, there's only so many times you can play in the city anyway. Yeah. And I might as well be somewhere that's kind of like, I can unwind when I'm, when I'm not on the road. Yeah. And then it's great. So it's like a, I, I tour here and then I come back and I can kind of relax for a bit. If I was working, I, th- I think it would be, I need a lot of lot going on. It would be a lot to live there if I was, had to stay there. But yeah. I feel like now that I'm, I appreciate it every time I go away and every time I go away, I, I feel like that's home now. The Valley. My mom moved out there. My grandparents lived there for a while. So it really does feel like home now. And you, yeah. you do photography as well, do you not? Yeah, I do wedding, wedding photography and videography a lot through the summer. So that was, which works well, well with music and I can kind of take the gigs that work around touring. Mm-hmm. Are you self-taught? Really and yeah, yeah, I've been doing photography probably longer than I've been doing music. I was really interested in it when I was in grade like six and saved up for my first camera and, and took pictures everywhere of everything. Didn't matter. And, uh, and then I kind of got out of it for a while after like, after like second or third year university and then back into it when somebody asked if I did drone photography and I didn't have a drone or do it. But I said yes, and I just found one online that was, and it was like the gig was paying just as much as what it cost for a drone. So I was like, this is perfect. And then I, then I just started doing a lot of drone. And that's from there. I started doing that and then got into a lot of political videography for a while too. Like during the election, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird thing, but I've, I've enjoyed it. It's good. It feels like another outlet. Yeah. It's good to have that diversity and especially in creativity. I don't know if if you were someone at a young age kind of knew that you were creative and I don't think creative people are, you know, see themselves necessarily as different. Like I'm a different kid, but I think there is a sense of knowing at some mm. point in your life that this is part of you that maybe not everybody shares. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked writing short stories and stuff. Like I always got really excited about that in school and that's the only time I really like tried was in English and stuff. And they were like, write a creative story. And I was, was really happy about that and thought, that was really exciting and I always really liked English. And I think that besides that, that was kind of the only part that made me realize I like to create. How about you? Was it, do you find, or both of you guys, did you find growing up that? I think I always had a vivid imagination, Mm -hmm. but part of it was I would, I grew up in a really, I'll say isolated. I grew up in a farming community that like we weren't, we didn't even have a convenience store within, you know, like you, you drove a solid 10 minutes to get a chocolate bar (laughs) if we didn't have a factory. But I think. You didn't have a a Mars bar? No, we had no factories. We had, yeah, like. I thought Twix were made in Clarence. Yeah, yeah, I thought Nike was there. (laughs) But uh, in hindsight, it it actually contributed to having an imagination that I used to pretend that I was anywhere other than there. I love so much. Yeah, like I would always be in. New York or LA oh or you know even the next town yeah. like who imagine if I was in town imagine if I was in Digby yeah exactly <laughs> like all these things were all the more exciting but I love that so I I think that yeah that contributed to that part but I also I was very aware especially when I reached high school that I just had this feeling of I'm not meant to be here right now mm-hmm. like I definitely am meant to go out there and explore and have new experiences and not everybody's interested in doing nope. that, and and so be it. I almost envy those who are just cozy to comfortable, stay yeah. where they are. But yeah, I had a knowing that there was something I don't know more or bigger on the yeah. horizon for me. Oh, cool. When did you and when did you move out of that town? 
soon as I got my diploma, <laughs> I went to Toronto and nice. lived across Canada. I lived in Latin America for a while oh, cool. and did a lot of traveling. And yeah, it's only really been since I moved back to Halifax that I've foot, like found my foothold yeah, again a and little bit. stayed somewhere for yeah. longer than five minutes. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't regret that. No, that's great. And yeah. Now you're back in like a, kind of a small, it's kind of small town vibes around here. Yeah. Yeah. It's cozy. But close to Con- close. Country vibes for sure. Or because just the woods is here. I love it. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. it feels, we have, we have space, which it, it's nice being close to, we can go into Halifax if we want in, yep. in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. or we can go to Dairy Queen around the corner <laughs> in, uh, in, uh, two minutes. <laughs> but right at our house, like it's like I can sit in the backyard and just only see trees and woods and animals. Nice. Which, mm. which for two people who create, like we spend so much time out there. It's awesome. Especially well, when the weather's warmer, it's a little harder to just sit out in the yard <laughs> when it's below zero. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, f- it feels like it's kind of a little sanctuary at times yeah. and just. Similar to what you've described as we're away enough that you appreciate having a place that's kind of chill to come home yeah. to. Yeah. Recover a little bit. Yeah. Where are you drawing your inspiration for your music? Like how, what you're sitting down and writing a song look like? You know, it's it's been a it's been a little bit. I, I feel like re- recently I've been more interested in trying to get a little bit better at more instruments and actually practice my instruments, and I haven't done that in a little bit, and doing a little bit less songwriting. But um, for the most part, it's I'll just leave a guitar out, and it's really intensive. It's always like two weeks where I'm writing really intense, and then I'm just not touching it for weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to always, which I want to do, it's just like every day write a little bit and write a little bit here and write a little bit there and, and be a kind of a writer. But I don't, I just have a hard time with that for some reason. So like two weeks, I, w- I went to the studio in Montreal um, to record an EP a couple months ago. And the two weeks leading up to that, it felt like there was a pressure to do it. And I loved it. And every day I would just sit, I was staying with my mom at the time and and uh, she has a beautiful place in Grand Prix in, in Nova Scotia. And that's where I'm like the most inspired I find. So I was staying there and every evening, I love bouncing ideas off my mom too, because she, she'll tell me like right away if it's crap, <laughs> like she'll be like, <laughs> she'll look right at me. And, oh, you could just tell, she doesn't say it anymore. She doesn't say it anymore. She doesn't go like, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But she'll kind of be like, I, I like it. I like it, like, which I know she doesn't. So it's always good. I kind of like drop an idea if she doesn't, because she's usually right. Um, but that's where I'm kind of the most inspired in two weeks leading up to the EP. I was just, it was really intense every day, kind of feeling the pressure to write for this. Mm-hmm project and and one of the songs which ended up being probably my favorite on the ep was written like on the drive up to montreal and partly in the studio when i got there it was written on the road and i just had the guitar chords and i was singing over them for 12 hours straight and uh and that's kind of where uh, that was that process it's always kind of different but do you you write better when you have i guess you could say a deadline like that would be considered a deadline do you feel like under that pressure you create better? I think, and you could probably relate, both of you guys can relate to this probably where you, nothing ever really feels finished. Like you, it's hard to say, I think the hardest part is saying this is finished. And when knowing me like, oh, could I have changed that or this part about it? or So having that deadline really helps to have something where you have to be finished by then. And that's going to be the project that 
the thing that it's going to be, or it will take years. I find I'll I'll leave something on the back burner for years unless I'm like, okay, I need to record it this day, and then it's going to get finished. And that's what puts it over the finish line. Um, a lot of those songs I like a lot that have taken years to write in terms of the deadline. There hasn't been a reason to finish them for yeah. for any specific reason. Um, but I do find that having a deadline can can help you finish. And a lot of the times I've set a goal for myself where I said, this show, no matter what, I'm going to, if I want to finish a song, I'm going to say, this show, I have to play the song. And I'm going to play the song no matter what, that's that show. Yeah. And even if it doesn't end up being the final product, it always tells me something about it when I play it in front of an audience and I'm like, okay, I know that part's bad. I, I'm going to replace that and yeah. then it's finished. Yeah, I, I do a lot of uh, kind of not not the best gigs intentionally to to try try out songs. Smart. So like I treat them as, because comedians always do uh, what they open mics. Like they'll yeah. go and try out 15 new minutes like and they're just, they don't have completely formed bits but they go up on stage and they're kind of working things out in front of an audience and they know they have their killer bits where they could they could get the audience bending over laughing yep. but that's not the point of that 15 or 20 minutes they're the point of it is to try to find the the parts that work and see what the audience resonates with and i've taken that approach in playing brand new songs or songs i i might even i have a gig on saturday this saturday at this pizza place close by nice, yeah, the I pizza place <laughs> gigs and I did one last Saturday and I played like four brand new songs nice. that uh, Kristen might have heard in the background me performing, but no one else in the world <laughs> heard them. And the people who were there when they found out this is the first time anyone's ever heard it, they felt special yep. too. Yeah. They were like, they were like honored almost, mm -hmm. but uh, it's, it's so weird. Like I can pick up the guitar and play one of the songs I played for years and it just, I could be thinking up so many different things in my head and sing the song perfectly, do yep. everything perfect. But a new song, when you try to do that in front of an audience, yep. is like you are frigging, <laughs> you have to be laser focused. Yep. And like, it's it's just a challenge. And I'd rather do that at a gig that doesn't really matter than like obviously on December 2nd yeah. at the marquee. <laughs> so yeah. It always I, tells you something too. I find when anytime you play it, 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 even if you're no one, even nobody was listening Yeah, when you're actually performing it to people, the way you like you change something about it than when you're by yourself Yeah, like, on purpose. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. I honestly find the same with listening back to a song, a recorded song with someone else in the room than when you listen so back true. yourself. It's it's a really weird thing, but when I'm listening myself, I don't necessarily pick up on these things. But when someone else comes in the room, I'm not sure if it makes makes me like hyper conscious off what's being played. And I'm like, okay, this is obviously too loud in this part. Yeah. Or this mm -hmm. like I I can pick up on the changes better. Yeah. It, it's a. Are you looking for their response or body language? Is that what's not, impacting? Like I don't specifically like yeah. invite you in and like analyze <laughs> your face or your shoulders or anything, but I think some part of me is doing that. And I don't, it's one of those human things that we don't really have a 
complete grasp on, like some variation of intuition, I guess. Well, you're using, your brain must be firing on all cylinders. And Daniel, I know at Music Week, I saw you bust with the harmonica and you're playing the guitar and you're keeping an eye on the band and you're in this huge moment of your life and Mm -hmm. singing and trying, you know, if something goes wrong, you can't let on. And like, there's just, you've got to be a 10 out of 10 in focus, I imagine, in those moments. So when you're practicing your... When you're practicing at home, I guess, and you you spoke about learn like focusing on your instruments more. Are you separating those things? Like I'm gonna really focus on harmonica today, guitar tomorrow, singing the next day, and then somehow those all come together. Or is it better to just do everything at once for your practice? I feel like that kind of practice only comes when actually performing. Like I would very rarely sit down with a guitar and a harmonica. Um, more when I'm when I talk about practicing new instruments, or it's more just about practicing stuff for later down the line or like being able to jam with people and stuff that I practice it for. Um, that stuff, yeah, I've just played so many shows with harmonica and guitar and stuff that that stuff almost becomes like we were talking before, second nature where you don't have to think about that anymore. And then that allows you to open up your brain to things like, okay, I need to be relaxed enough in this moment, but also energetic. And I want to be moving around the stage and I got to think, okay, I haven't made eye contact with Ted, the drummer in a while. Maybe if I go over there and, mm-hmm. and like make sure we're all kind of part of it. And that just, opens it up just like you were saying about when you're playing a new song you really got to focus on the words and focus on what you're playing yeah and that's what's hard about learning those new songs is that you don't now have that brain power to to open up to other things because now i don't think about the guitar i don't think about the harmonica when i've played the wolfville song for example 150 times i just i can focus on the actual performance and the actual show and then when that comes becomes second nature you can open up to even more things so that's kind of where the practice bit comes in. And yeah. I feel like the, the only time you can ever really practice that is in that moment. And on stage, you just have to play a lot. And uh, another sports analogy here. <laughs> From uh, you. Yeah. So <laughs> just think of like learning how to take a, a jump shot in basketball. Your coach say, okay, keep your elbow in, you jump, you flick your wrist. And the first few times you do it, like, oh my God. This... Bend your knees, Jay, shoot, follow through. There you go. Dave Whitman's <laughs> advice. <laughs> you, Thank you, you Dave. Got it. So the first time Mr. Whitman, Whitman said that to you, it probably felt unnatural. Like you had to think like, oh, wait, I didn't bend my knees. Oh, I forgot to flick my wrists. Like all the little components. And then you do it a couple hundred times, a couple hundred times a day sometimes. And then all of a sudden it just, this is second nature. What's interesting about what you're describing, though, is that, yes, of course, practice makes you more comfortable and natural in that. But when you're performing not only does it make you better at, say, playing the guitar, but it allows more capacity and space in your mind to be thinking about showmanship and eye contact and the fine details. Like, you might not be able to focus only on the eye contact, but you now have the ability to even let that enter your mind Mm because you're not so fixated on memorizing the lyrics, for example. Like, Mm -hmm. that seems unique to your jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it opens up a lot when you have your your stuff together, right? And mm-hmm. this, an interesting thing also about playing on stage is like there's little variables that change and affect every show. Like at Music Week, for example, when I was playing there, just the way the stage was quite narrow, I had to be conscious of not when I moved of not hitting into the mic stand and the cymbal stands behind me. So I had to quickly learn like some spatial recognition and to be aware of, okay, I can move here. I can't move there. 
and I usually go here, but I can't do that at this show. So I have to kind of be more stationary. So I'll maybe move my upper body more. Like, I picture yeah. you just up with your head. Bobble head. <laughs> my shoulders are going light speed. <laughs> um, but, and even like sitting down playing, like sometimes whatever, uh, when I'm playing solo acoustic shows, I just sit down because I'm, it's more just relaxed and I'm telling stories. And if I have a stool where my feet don't reach the ground, like I'm not going to be stomping along. Like such a stool does not exist for a six foot four man. But yes, I appreciate <laughs> but, the but, but example. A stool, a stool versus a chair, you know. Like yeah. there's there's just there's these so many little variables that can can change if you're not controlling them all yourself. Yeah, like I could bring the the same stool or chair to every show if I wanted to, but I don't really care about that too much, but it's just a different thing. Like, okay, sometimes I'm stomping my left foot like crazy. And sometimes that comes, becomes a part of the show. But if I'm in a stool where my feet are dangling, that's 100% gone. Mm. Yeah. When you take the stage, Daniel, do you feel like you're taking on a character or are you just yourself? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think always, like there's a part of me that does, but I don't, I don't think I, I go on stage and think, okay, like this is the person I'm going to be. I like to think that it's, or at least the better I get at it, the more it is myself and more how I would talk. And, and, and that's something I think I've changed over the years too, because I, I think I always thought in this folk music, I had to be like serious or, or, or that character of somebody that I, I really like. I look up to a songwriter, Gregory Allen Isakov, I really like. And I, he's kind of a serious, he kind of seems serious on stage. And and I always really liked that. And But I, I somebody said to me, because I, I got this photo shoot done a few years ago where I'm like serious kind of faces. And a friend of mine said, I don't think that really like captures who you are as a person. And that, it was such a small comment and they probably don't even remember saying it, but it really made me think about the character that you're you're trying to portray and I was like that's true like usually I'm more I am more smiley and more outgoing and all over the place kind of as a person so I'm going to try to do that or be more natural on stage with that and be more smiley and jump around how I would if I was with my friends hanging out listening to music and so I'm I'm definitely more aware of that now going onto stage and just being like I don't have to be serious I can I can kind of joke around and tell the stupid jokes that I would tell in person and be a little more goofy yeah um so yeah, maybe less so now, mm-hmm. but definitely mentally, I thought that you kind of need a character to play. And uh, yeah, so. I'm, Do you guys find like, as a creative person and, and our our job is never really done in that, you know, come 65, that doesn't mean we retire, yeah. like some more traditional jobs. And I find sometimes because of that, it can be hard to really know who you are, what your creative voice is, what you represent, because we are always changing. Yeah. Does that, do you have that same experience? I, I always kind of grapple with this and especially playing under my own name. When I think we had this conversation at dinner once where we were talking about how it's hard to, I don't know if this is exactly your question, but it's hard to, you feel like you're always marketing yourself and yourself as a person and not as like a musician. So there's like these definitely gray lines and a strangeness to always being like, come to my show, come see me, come listen to me, come buy this. But like that comes out of me as a musician and me as a career that doesn't not necessarily feel natural as a person and who who I am as a person. Yeah. So I just find there's that kind of strange line 
of like who is who am I as a musician versus who I am as a person and is there a difference between those two and where is it and like yeah it's just and do when people meet me are they meeting me because and or, or talk to me if they've listened to my music first does that have any kind of sway on who they think I am as a person and does it translate well I don't know there, there's so many questions I it, think no, more questions than answers it's an inner we could talk about this it, yeah. for the rest of the day yeah. really and in it makes me think of maybe a, a young singer songwriter writes about falling in love and maybe has never had a relationship yep. and like does that discredit the song or make them it's bullshit uh, <laughs> yeah but it's it makes you think about yeah separating yourself as a person and what are my values? What do I represent? And I know a lot of visual art that I do is often about making a political statement mm-hmm. or it's in recognition of something, a cause. And and, and I love that about yeah. it because it has that kind of power. Uh, but it really makes you question, like, is this about just the painting on the canvas or am I trying to uh, represent myself mm. or my voice in some way and that that to me can almost be more paralyzing than like doesn't matter like just go yeah. make something pretty or you know sing nice lyrics that yeah. they they sound good and people jam to it and like so how fixated and, and mike you too like how fixated you become on like is this representational of me mike or does this just make for a really beautiful melody that i think people will enjoy listening to i think both kind of intermingling with each other in that's the sweet spot <laughs> if you get both well i i think like i i can step on stage as as me as michael ryan but like there's not just one part of me like i am multiple things and the there's no other circumstance where i'm going to it up and just <laughs> kind of act like I do on stage but that doesn't mean I'm playing a character it kind of is in that moment but it's still me I guess amplified you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, turned just, up even just talking to you when we're talking just the two of us or the three of us it still reminds me of the first time where I, I saw you guys play it was at the Carlton when we were playing that show yeah. together where you're on stage and you guys were like you and Bruce were joking back and forth about what a Palm Sunday or whatever it was. Yeah. But it sounds like it seemed like a natural conversation. I yeah. didn't know you yet, but after I met you, I was like, okay, this is not a- just an really an act. Like, yeah. You know. Well, acoustic shows are definitely more kind of exactly like this conversation. Yeah. Like whatever, interject with a funny anecdote and do some <laughs> counter storytelling. You know, <laughs> you some, love that someone in the audience says something. I actually. I always, like, when I'm playing a solo gig, I'm like, what's going on out there? And I'll just point to some, like, what are you up to? <laughs> and whatever they say, I'll just do my, my little counter story, tell them with that. I look forward to this counter story on yeah, me too. December 2nd of the marquee. <laughs> no, but I was going to get to, I'm saying the, the, the sit-down acoustic gigs are very different than playing on stage yeah. with a rock show. Like, I, I don't do any of that, really. It's just a different energy. Um and the the rock show is more about energy in general. Like, I'm, we're, we have stage presence. We're giving it our all on stage. I'm sweating my ass off. Like, it's, it's not a time for me in, in what, what I've created and the kind of show we've created to tell a story about smelt fishing. <laughs> I have a story. Okay, I have a story about smelt fishing. I think I actually did hear that. That, uh, that I, I gave my dad a bag of 
oh, yes. rotten smelts there for Father's Day once. But uh, before is this before you played? Is like the hero? Is it the hero? Hercules. Hercules. Yeah. yeah. Is that is this the lead up story? For yeah, Hercules? yeah. Okay. Yes, I like that. So that's that doesn't make sense at the marquee. You know, like what I'm doing, what I'm trying to accomplish at that show is kind of just give an energy to the audience that makes them want to dance, makes them just want to just feel alive. And when it's the other type of show, it's okay. I want them to sit there and just kind of feel relaxed, feel at ease, just feel like they're just, just kind of having, having a, having a good time and someone is there to entertain them and they can just go home and smile and, laugh and have a few stories to tell themselves afterwards so it's yeah it's for me it's knowing what the audience is in front of me and what what i am supposed to deliver to them Mm. well that makes me now want to ask you what makes you feel alive and what makes you feel relaxed oh wow like in in a show situation just Just oh okay amphetamines for a lot um uppers and downers feel alive i think it's i think it's for me it's a lot of, it's, it, it comes to do with human interaction I'm, i think i'm very extroverted and and if if i'm with people and something like i think a good example is jamming with a band and something new happens and new and magical i think that like excitement that i have is up there for like my most alive moments when i'm like we're jamming something out or a new part happens or and we're all kind of there together and doing it and we're playing together um and then what makes you feel relaxed? Yeah, probably being like a more solo time. Like I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to drywall tonight, and that will probably be actually. Even though it's the most frustrating thing I think I've ever done in my life is drywalling, I will it will feel kind of relaxing as if like it's it's needed and away from human interaction. So mm-hmm. kind of yeah, getting things done. Just answer for yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> Blanket statement. Blankets, yeah. Just getting things done. Yeah, there's something to be said for having a new experience that's often mm-hmm. exhilarating for people. I was talking with some friends about this recently, and it can be the smallest thing, like just a new hiking route. It doesn't have yeah. to be, I've never gone hiking before, but just the newness of it. And I find that often even in creating, like being in a new environment for writing or painting, whatever I'm working on, is it's just a, opens up new space. So. yeah. What do you have on the go the next next while after December 2nd? After December 2nd, I am taking kind of a break from from uh, performing. Uh, not really performing again until maybe doing a quick little songwriter circle in February and then not playing again till May. Probably not till the ECMAs. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then in that meantime, just working trying to finish up a studio that I'm working on in Port Williams in the living space and then trying to get an EP out before May. Yeah. Those are kind of the goals for the winter. And what And going to Columbia. I'm going to Columbia. Oh. Yeah, we talked about that at some point. But yeah. This I was just yeah. a on the fence thing I yeah. think last oh, yeah. time we okay. spoke. Oh, so this is confirmed. Booked. Yeah, it's Good confirmed. For you. Yeah, for Tell for, us that plan. So, um my sister Shauna also likes to get out and travel. Both my sisters do get to get out and travel. And, uh, and kind of, we've been doing this thing where we kind of try to spend Christmas somewhere new every year. And usually I'm with my sister for it. It's because my, my parents used to, so my parents aren't together. They, they separated when I was really young. So we'd always kind of go back and forth for Christmas. And then it got to this like weird point where like 
they both wanted Christmas with them and they were like, this is my Christmas or this is my Christmas. And I think at that point, Sean and I were just like, we should go somewhere new and just go travel. And it doesn't matter if one of them wants to join us. Great. But if not, it doesn't matter. So we've done for the last like good while we've spent Christmas together, either somewhere new or, but usually it's, we try to make sure we're together. Um, and my other sister lives in Guatemala. She'd normally be included in that, but she's super busy and has a baby. Um, so this year we're going to, uh, we both wanted to go to Colombia for a while. So we're meeting up in Medellin and, nice. and spending Christmas there, I think. How exciting. Yeah. yeah and then sticking for around for three or four weeks. And that's one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah, you guys did a right, was it a, okay. I, I, all, I feel like I always mess this up. It was a, uh, what's the name for what's the name for something residency residency which i still don't really understand what residencies are but everybody keeps talking about them but i know you're both there and it, it didn't have to do with music it had to do it was a writing residency yeah okay yeah. i want to hear about that we've been to columbia twice and the oh, first okay, time cool. is when we were in uh medellin and this time we were yeah at the residency in the middle of nowhere i don't think there's even a name for the place okay, we that's, were that's, and yeah. you could create music you could create whatever you okay. wanted but we went we applied with the intention of writing which is so why cool. we say we went to a writer's residency gotcha. but you guys will have a blast that's that sounds so exciting and great to, we, we try we've been going away the last few years for christmas too not for the exact same reason we kind of had this moment of like we're 40 and waking up in the basement at our parents' house on <laughs> yeah, Christmas morning. Why. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, like, I think it's time we kind of just, you know, do what we want, <laughs> yeah. maybe. And, yeah. yeah. And Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. So we're going somewhere warm <laughs> if nice. we can each year. Nice. How long are you in Columbia? Uh, originally, I want to go away longer, but now I'm really excited about music stuff and recording stuff. So I was planning on traveling for two or three months and trying to work remotely doing what I did last year, which was running songwriting workshops out of, um, like all online out of Ottawa, based out of Ottawa. Um, but this year I'm kind of just doing it as like a, I'm not going to be working while I'm there just three or four weeks and then back in February. Yeah. Yeah. And then just back to music and, and trying to get stuff done. I'm really excited about playing with the band and the group I'm with and yeah. we're trying to do side projects here and there and, and everything. So that's kind of where my heart's at right now, less with traveling and more with that, but it's going to be a nice, nice to not have to think about music for a little bit. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And and what do you see happening over the next five years? What do you have? What goals do you have as your honestly with your is, music? I think this is part of the reason why I need to take some time and and reassess because I feel I feel like I've set these goals two years ago and the only thing that ever forces me to set goals are grants. Like that's what yeah. makes me think about it. I see a grant and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well now I got to do it. It's always really helpful. Um, yeah, that's a. I think that's the that's the question. I uh, like. Th- Touring was kind of a big goal for me for a while and playing these rooms away. And um, probably the next step is, is still play these same venues and, and keep touring around Canada. But I'd like to try to do a couple shows in Europe and and, yeah. and a couple in the States or something like that would be cool too. Um, just as a kind of a new step. But I think I do need to sit down and kind of set some smart goals again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what's your next show in case anyone missed it? Oh, if you missed it, <laughs> let me tell you about it. We were putting up posters for it today. December 2nd, uh, we got George Woodhouse and the and the public service. And then we're playing Daniel James McFadden and with the, with my band Barncat. And then finishing off the night, the town heroes are going to be rocking. And I'm, you know what I'm excited about too is just is playing. I know you don't get the same yeah. excitement. Like you get the, I don't know if you get nervous before you play, but there's still that impendingness when you're enjoying it. I'm excited to, after we play, is get go out in the audience and actually get to like 
see what we've been working take on. Take it in. Take yeah. it in and get to kind of hang out. You instead talked of just about having this to... last time you were here and I was I... like, I never thought about that. Like you kind of get the nerves out of the way, yeah. the performance, and then you get to just be part of the night. It's and so that great. That makes total sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it is nice. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's great. So I'm excited to just like, and usually you know, like when we're packing up at the shows that we've done at the Seahorse are usually headlining spots and we pack up and everybody's gone and it's like, we go home. I'm not. This is not for for you to feel bad next week either. But, but, but you don't I'm get any of like, the glory. We we get to pack up our stuff and then, or not even like put it in cases, and then I like get to actually enjoy the night, which I'm really excited, and watch you guys, which have, we've got we got to enjoy that. At uh, we couldn't get in for the most part. We got there early. Yeah, at it was jammed. At music, music Nova week, Nova yeah. Scotia week at uh, Saw Saw City, Steel City, Steel City. And uh, so we only got like the last 10 minutes of your set and we were in line, most of it. Um, so I'm excited to get get to listen yeah. to you guys at a venue that is a full rock show and other friends on stage and stuff while you guys are playing. So yeah, I'm it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. And tickets are for... only 20 bucks. Yeah. Like, I, I love yeah. that you've thought about, yeah, accessibility. It's a little bit of an earlier show. Like it's, yeah. it's good. You hit a nice even mark, I think. Oh, good. So you can grab your tickets now if you haven't yet. Are you releasing that? You are really, were we releasing this before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about that at the beginning to be like, no. December 2nd, this is Listen, like December we, 16th. Where, where we put You're here for a reason, Daniel. <laughs> You're here no. today for a reason. Okay. We're, we're on the ball here at Mike and Chris in the podcast. <laughs> But uh, I like there's no intro or anything coming into it. I like I thought we were just kind of relaxing and talking. All of a sudden the podcast was going. I that's love what it. this podcast is: relaxing and talking. It's great. That should you be know. the motto. It, it is now. <laughs> we make you feel alive and we make you relax. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's our goal. Full circle. Their goal. Well, yeah. Thanks for having you here, buddy. And yeah. uh, we're uh, we're honored to get the chat. Yeah, and so excited fun. for the show and for yeah, lots of things to come up. So yeah, really exciting. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being me. here. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate it immensely. And again, if you want to come catch the show this Friday, you can uh, grab tickets. They're in the show notes. Yeah, I hope to see everybody out for a big dance party. Maybe we'll set up a little limbo stick or a, what do you call when everybody stands in the line? Ma- Not line dancing, ma- but ra- meringue, ma- ma- ra- something. Ma- ma- yeah, we're gonna do that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna happen. The Marara dance. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay, folks. We'll uh we'll be back next week and tell you all about it. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.